Today on The Exam Room. If you're in a regular, let's say a family medicine practice, I'm a family medicine physician, you will have plenty of sick patients. Now, the art is finding those who would incorporate it into their life, but you will always have patients and you will always have a paycheck because insurance is paying for sick people to see the doctor. The strategy is how does a doctor who just wants to help patients get better do this in their regular busy clinic? Do they have to sit outside of time, outside of clinic to actually provide that care, which I've been known to do on Mm -hmm. more than one occasion? Or do you really just limit who you speak to in a day because you only have so much time? You can only go over each visit <laughs> maybe five or six times before people are knocking on your door and saying, hey, we've got you know three or four patients waiting for right. you in the waiting room. And then the other piece is this that I often get questioned is about, well, how do I do this in this setting? or Because everyone's working in a different type of setting. And then how do we get insurance to pay for it? I have less concern about the insurance paying for it. It's a matter of how do I help these amazing, talented physicians provide the time and figuring out how to make it work in their ecosystem. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, raising health IQs coast to coast and around the world in great cities like Milwaukee, Wisconsin, McAllen, Texas, and Nairobi, Kenya. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 12 of season 7, number 511 overall. And there is absolutely no doubt about it. There is definitely room for improvement in healthcare. Doctors are overworked and patients are suffering because of this. And that is something that Dr. Laurie Marbus knows all too well. It's why she shifted her practice to lifestyle medicine, a patient-first approach that seeks to identify and treat the root cause of illnesses rather than just put a Band-Aid on symptoms exclusively. And so in this episode today on The Exam Room, Dr. Marvis and I, we are going to discuss her experience transitioning over to lifestyle medicine and how that experience can serve as a blueprint for other medical professionals to begin to incorporate it into their practice as well. And I honestly believe that a lot of doctors want to make this leap, but they just don't know how to do it. So hopefully today with Dr. Marbus, they are going to get some great ideas, get fired up and get those big changes afoot for their future. And so while today's show is more of a prescription for MDs, all of us patients can also benefit as well because it gives us insight into how this big medical machine actually works. So here's what's on tap. We have effective outcomes with lifestyle medicine, insurance and how that can factor into a lifestyle medicine practice, patient success stories, healthcare costs. We're gonna be weighing traditional and lifestyle medicine, the costs there, and then the benefits that can come from businesses incorporating lifestyle medicine into programs for their employees and the savings that these big corporations can see. Plus, we're gonna take a little bit of a detour, Dr. Marbus and I, we're gonna also talk about about unhealthy weight loss and body composition and maintaining muscle mass when shedding those excess pounds. Really fascinating conversation today, a little bit different from what we usually do. And I also want to give a huge thank you to Dr. Marbus for coming all the way to Washington, D.C. to join me at the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine to do this one in person. 
And speaking of our nation's capital, the Power Foods Revolution is coming to our fair heartbeat of democracy. And of course, it is a night brought to you by the Exam Room Podcast. And that revolution occurs on March 26th. And you, my Exam Roomie, you can join me and Dr. Barnard, along with Chef Dustin Harder, and the incredible weight loss success that is Stephanie Ignafo. All of us will be gathering at the National Press Club, not far from the White House, along with hundreds of other exam roomies for an unforgettable evening we are getting together to celebrate the release of dr barnard's new book the power foods diet and with every ticket comes a copy of the book and tickets are on sale right now at pcrm.org events or you can click the link in the episode notes to secure your seat this second it will be a night filled with laughs and learning and inspiration and the breakthrough plan that you yes you you have been waiting for to trap to tame and to burn calories for easy and permanent weight loss so pcrm.org slash events, or just click that link in the episode notes to get your tickets today. March 26th at the National Press Club. And now, on with the show. Let's talk doctors. Let's talk insight. Let's talk about the future of medicine and how it could be, and how many say it should be. Dr. Laurie Marbus now on the exam room. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. True or false, it can be a real challenge incorporating lifestyle medicine sometimes. Yes. Um, starting, goodness, about 11 years ago in just a regular practice setting where I was at a hospital doing hospital medicine, nursing home. Uh, then it was a challenge to moving strictly just to clinical practice. That was a challenge. And then off to telemedicine, starting my own company using just cash, using insurance, you name it. Um, it's all challenging, every bit of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Is, is the appetite there? Like, is it just a, like, is it the fundamental that because not a lot of people are prioritizing nutrition, it's more difficult to have enough patients to make it a viable practice? I think there's several things that you need to address. First of all, if you're in a regular let's say a family medicine practice, I'm a family medicine physician, you will have plenty of sick patients. Now, the art is finding those who would incorporate it into their life, but you will always have patients and you will always have a paycheck because insurance is paying for sick people to see the doctor. The strategy is how does a doctor who's just wants to help patients get better do this in their regular busy clinic? Do they have to sit outside of time, outside of clinic to actually provide that care, which I've been known to do on mm -hmm. more than one occasion? Or do you really just limit who you speak to in a day because you only have so much time? You can only go over each visit <laughs> maybe five or six times before people are knocking on your door and saying, hey, we've got you know three or four patients waiting for right. you in the waiting room. And then the other piece is this that I often get questioned is about, well, how do I do this in this setting? or Because everyone's working in a different type of setting. And then how do we get insurance to pay for it? Um, I have less concern about the insurance paying for it. It's a matter of how do I help these amazing, talented physicians provide the time and figuring out how to make it work in their ecosystem. Because insurance, typically, if they're covering something, like if it's a standard visit, it's really only a 15-minute visit, correct? Right. 
is does it take more time to do a comprehensive visit with somebody because it's lifestyle medicine and it's not just script and rip, you know, basically right. in and out the door? Right. Script and rip. That's right. <laughs> I would say it really depends. So the way I actually had to evolve my practice when I first started doing lifestyle medicine, I would say more plant-based medicine about 11 years ago. So I was about 10 years into my career. And what I found was that I had to condense what I was going to say into some three bullet points. And I had created like a 30-page handout. Might have killed a few too many trees. But I just would highlight the three things that I knew that would move the needle the most. And then I had short follow-ups. So I would go through my daily calendar and I would pick, you know, five or six people that I knew would be open in, to this conversation. And I had already kind of planted the seed. They were already eager to be either stopping medications or looking for alternatives. And it's like, okay, can you do these three things for me? Mm -hmm. And they're like, sure. And I was like, and I need you to come back in a week or two weeks, depending on, you know, what medications they were on. And that's how I started actually doing the practice. And over time, I was able to develop a lifestyle medicine clinic at a larger hospital. We did a study, a short study in this little rural clinic in Rifle, Colorado. And that's kind of how it all started. And then I was just looking for other opportunities and other places to practice this and see what would stick. What are some of the other obstacles, though? Because we have seen so many of these practices, well-intentioned, whether they be telemedicine, whether they be brick and mortar, plant-based, Ray Rod, there's this buzz within our own community, but sure as fire, like within a couple of years, they're really struggling to keep their, their doors open and the mm -hmm. website up. So what, you know, what are the obstacles that typically people are facing here? I think, honestly, it's really how we approach the patients and who we're looking to do because we get really excited about sharing this with everybody. So you need to really be thinking about who is the patient that you want to proceed with the message. How are you actually giving it? So I always tell people you have to be really good salesmen, right? So I may have let's say a Volkswagen for sale. And I have three different customers. I have the teenager who wants to look cool and be, you know, be the Volkswagen, be the thing. I might have a mom with three kids who's looking at safety and, you know, saving money. And then the elderly person, whatever ever else is, I'm not sure I'm getting into that elderly stage. What would be important? I guess reliability. And so that might be the same vehicle, but I'm going to have a different sales pitch, right? So a good example is I have three kids. They're all plant-based. All three of them came alongside of my message with different reasons. The youngest is an ethical vegan. The middle one's like, it's just a good thing to do for my health. And the oldest is a climate change, really. Mm -hmm. And she's also a physician, so she you know, understands that value of that message for her patients. But the piece of this that's really important is understanding you need to tailor the message that's going to really get the interest of the patient and speak a different language. That's one piece. But the other one is also, how do you do this and get the patients to understand that this is really important for their own health. But it's not just the goal of weight loss. It's not just the goal of stopping medications. This is really understanding that this is going to provide value in your life. And it's going to really help you do the things that you want to do. Like, let's say you really want to spend time with family and have the energy to go hiking or travel or be there for your grandchild's graduation. Those are the values that you know, I try to help people emphasize when you're changing the lifestyle, because it's more than just changing your diet. It's really changing your lifestyle. It's not a short-term fix for a long-term problem. It's a long-term change in your lifestyle mm. to really see the needle move in their health. But once they get it, they, they're the best 
um, advocates for you. And I think that's where the group medical visit is also really helpful because now we're putting people in an environment with their peers and they help spread the word. And that's how I was always successful because I lived in a smaller communities. They, I always had group visits and that's where I was really excited to see the needle move. And I think that's where corporate medicine can be very helpful, right? So that's kind of my, my next <laughs> uh, adventure is moving into the corporate space where you can actually help employees in a group setting. So for those of us who aren't familiar with the group medical visit, what what is that? Does everybody gather in a room together and ask questions or how do they work? Yeah, so it's typically between an hour to two hours, depending on exactly what you're going over. You may have 10 to 12 patients. Most of the time they're going to have some disease process or chronic disease um, thing that's in common. You know, maybe it's diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, cancer. And so then you can address that specific disease. You can save some time. But the piece is here is there's an educational component, absolutely. But the more important piece is how the patients kind of take over the appointment and they help each other. Mm. So you may hear someone saying, let's say if they're diabetic, like, man, I just can't get my blood sugars under 200. And I'm really struggling because after work, I'm tired and I don't want to cook. And someone's like, well, this worked for me, right? They'll talk about batch cooking or they'll say there's a food service or their co-op or something, you know, that they've done. or maybe. They go walking in the evening to help their blood sugars get down. So those are the type of things that you'll see. So it's not me telling them. It's these other people who look like them, who are dealing with the same issues or on the same medications, all sitting together saying, wow, you're in my community. You're working where I work. And this is amazing because if I know you can do it, I can do it too. And then they kind of have also that um, accountability to each other because they don't want to let each other down way more than I think they would ever consider worrying about if they let down their physician. Right, right. I think back to um, a weight loss support group I went to after I had bariatric surgery. I always prided myself in kind of being the leader of this group. I was a competitive guy, still am, you know, (laughs) and I always wanted to be the one that was like really losing the most weight and sticking to the program the best and just kind of, I wanted to be the role model for others. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not to be super cynical, but it was kind of deflating at times when I would show up and I would try to be this leader and I'm on the straight and narrow. And then like other people were talking about ways that they could game the system Mm. and reintroduce some of these foods back into their diet, but not too much because (laughs) we don't want to go back to why we had to have the surgery in the first place. But nonetheless, I saw everything from Sprite and Diet Coke Mm. to Swedish fish and, you know, French fries come out in these group settings. And, but the interesting thing though, was that the dietitian who was also part of this group was like, you can eat these things just Mm. less than you were. Oh, that's interesting. But it's like, well, of course it's going to be less than you were. You're talking to people who are only like six or eight months post-op, like no way they can eat the same volume of food at this point that they once did. It would take years for your stomach to stretch back out. And the stomach does, but it's like, I could already at that early point, after the surgery, see this clear delineation between the people who were probably going to be successful long-term and the patients who more than likely were going to have to come back for what the surgeon described to us in the initial consultation as a revision surgery, which essentially you get your stomach stapled a second time. Mm. Not exactly the most appealing option, yet the draw of that food is so strong Mm -hmm. that people opt for that and they're like, well, I'll do it again, and I'll just come back for the surgery a second mm-hmm. time, and then, then I'll make those changes. Wow. Like, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Right. No, that's insane. But it's also, I've had patient that literally was having elective 
cabbage or you know artery bypass coronary artery bypass and i was literally sitting here talking to him saying you could switch to a whole food plant-based diet we could potentially you know reverse your disease or halt your disease where you won't have to have your chest cracked open <laughs> veins turned inside out and harvested from your leg and put into your chest and shut back up with wires and uh he's like i have no interest yeah and so when you sit there and understand as a physician, it's disheartening. But at the end of the day, I know that I've done my duty, right? I've provided all the alternatives and tried my best to at least encourage them to try it. Mm -hmm. And if they choose not to, it's their life to lead. And I can't, you know, feel bad for that. I just know that I've done everything I can and I can sleep well at night because I'm a big fan of sleeping through the night. So if I don't do <laughs> what is right, I don't sleep well. It's like this conscience is kind of thing. Yeah. So um, as long as I'm providing all the alternatives, just like anyone who has, let's say, cancer, right? They're, they're given all the alternatives. If you held, withheld something, that is malpractice in my opinion. So it's really important that I, I speak to every patient regarding everything we can do to improve their life. Do you think by and large, and I, I promise we'll get back to the topic of the day, uh, the <laughs> business of lifestyle medicine, but do you think by and large the average physician understands the pull that food has for the patients and why, at least in my biased opinion, admittedly, that's kind of why we're in this health pickle that we are in by and large? I think actually they do. And really? that's why they don't actually present it as an option because they don't think anyone's going to change. Damn. So instead of thinking the opposite and saying, wow, actually there are people who change and maybe this is the person that will listen to me and I can help this one life, right? And who knows who that person's going to influence. They just write it off and saying, well, nobody's going to change because food is addictive. Nobody wants to give up their french fries, their steaks, whatever. Taco Bell. Mm. And, <laughs> Amen. and so when it comes to that other, you know, the thinking on the physician side, we have to understand they're also human. So they're also dealing with their own thoughts and feelings. And, you know, they're almost forecasting for the patient their decisions. And I, again, it comes at the end of the day, it's not the physician's decision, it's the patient's. And it's the physician's job to provide all the opportunities. Um, to change your life, be yeah. it a prescription, written prescription for drugs or a lifestyle prescription. So here's the thing. We know that the pool of people who eat a very clean, healthy, whole food, plant-based diet, we're talking like a fraction of a percent of the population. I think maybe 2% of the population right now is either vegan or vegetarian, right? So that's a pretty small pool. So when you're creating a lifestyle medicine practice, that is a small pool to begin with. And so I feel like when all of these came online, everybody's kind of vying for that same one or 2%. In order for a business to grow, whether it be this or any other, you have to go outside right. that bubble. So how in the world and I know that this is something that I'm sure there may not even be an answer to yet, but how in the world does somebody then crack outside of, you know, that group, those P1s, as I like to call them, to grab that 98% who need to hear this message? Because God knows you look at the health statistics and you're like, there's a lot of people out there that could use some better advice. I think, would you be surprised if I said GLP1s might be an answer? Talk to me. 
<laughs> so it's interesting, right? So I was a co-founder of Plant-Based Telehealth, mm-hmm. and which was you know plant-based people. Uh, you saw it in the title of the company. We were very successful. I sold it to John Mackey last summer, and then I started Mora Medical. We wanted to utilize insurance in providing group medical visits across the country, starting in Florida and Texas and California. And we were successful. So the patients that we saw were the ones, the, the low-hanging fruit, but most of these folks came from email collaborations with Forks Over Knives, uh, exactly. you know, the, exactly, the Food Revolution Network. So people who had already kind of, you know, they drank the juice already. Mm-hmm. And the problem was when we started reaching outside of that, the message was almost too much for people, right? They're like, you want me to switch to a plant-based diet? You know, because we're going to be pushing the healthiest optimal prescription. But what's interesting, though, we ended up having to shut that down because we didn't have a steady flow of patients. We had tried all sorts of things. We, You name it in social media. We did TV, radio. <laughs> uh, we even partnered with doctors and, you know, looking for referral uh, patterns and sources, and, and none of that was working. But what is interesting though, when you speak to patients and now we're looking, they want to lose weight, right? And they're looking for now for the GLP ones, these drugs that cause massive weight loss and other things, right? They decrease the desire to drink, they decrease the desire to go shopping. So there's some, I have some other thoughts on what might come of that in the future. But really, if there was a perfect drug, I mean, less (laughs) drinking, less shopping. I mean, come on. For people who are, you know, when these are are a problem, right? So you'll see people's um, addictive addictive behaviors start to decline because Mm. they just lose that drive, which is makes me curious about other things like depression and anxiety. But that's another conversation for another day when we have more data. But what's interesting, they're very expensive drugs. So if you're speaking to a self-insured employer and now all these doctors are prescribing these medications off-label, meaning for someone who doesn't have diabetes or prediabetes, and the self-insured employer is going, whoa, all of a sudden, you know, their healthcare costs are just really going through the roof. Well, now what do we do? Well, we need someone to, you know, now we're looking at lifestyle medicine saying, hey, that's a great answer. Well, how do we combine the power of that? So we use the carrot of the drug, right? Because people will do anything to get the drug. They'll even stay, interesting study, in an unhappy employing setting, like where they hate their job, just to be able to get coverage for the drug. Okay, so that really speaks to what people are willing to endure to get a drug that they see as valuable because it's the weight loss that they really are seeking. But if you do like a step therapy, right? If you have a lifestyle medicine program that, okay, you can have the drug, but you also have to do the lifestyle medicine program. You have to show up, you have to show that you're actually doing the work and incorporating it therefore to continue the medication. So we have them, we're meeting them where they're at, they want the prescription, we provide it, but at the same time we're providing this most valuable education. So they're gonna walk away with at least the knowledge. Now at the end of the day, whether they engage in that or not, but I think it's a compelling message, right? Because now we have someone who understood the drug helped them get started, They don't have to have the drug forever, Mm -hmm. right? We can incorporate these lifestyle medicine interventions, this amazing prescription for life, and you can stop these medications with sometimes the the nausea, the nasty side effects, potential thyroid cancer, other things. Um, That is where we, 
I think that we might find a really valuable space to get outside of the low-hanging fruit of someone who's already welcomed the lifestyle change. You are speaking my language, and while I had bariatric surgery, it's much the same, what we were talking about, that clear delineation between long-term success and short-term success, right? Mm -hmm. Anybody can be successful having bariatric surgery. Like, it's basically bulletproof the first year, year and a half. Like, no matter what, you are going to lose weight. Over time, though, Mm -hmm. the weight starts to creep back because you never make those modifications. And so when people ask, you know, like, well, how do you lose weight? It's like, it's not about losing weight. Mm -hmm. It's about how to keep it off. Mm-hmm. And so whether you use the, the weight loss drugs, the Ozempic, the Manjaro, whatever the case may be, you have bariatric surgery, whatever the intervention is, it's always in the end going to come down to the two things that you've been told are healthy your entire life. It's mm-hmm. diet and it's exercise. I'm right. sorry, that's not the pill that a lot of people want to take, right. but it's so true. But you know what? I think that when people are having success initially and they're feeling really good and their confidence is really high that's the time to strike and explain you're here now and you can stay on top of this mountain here's how to do it mm-hmm. i think that you're onto something dr now, imagine if you're in a group of people who are experiencing the same thing and your ins- and your insurance company and your employer saying we're not paying for it unless you do this so there's so many <laughs> positive movement in that direction so i don't think we have a choice but to be successful mm. right because people want it the employer just saying you have to do this to get it and they're like okay whatever um yeah and it really comes down to the end of the day making it a feasible option for people and that is where our specialty comes in is helping people understand this is going to be cheaper you're going to feel better and it's not only helping you lose weight but it's decreasing everything else your heart disease risk your cancer risk everything and so I consider it a win-win, and I'm in the middle of some corporate pilots now, and they're going great. So I'm super stoked about that, and yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, you sh- you should be. And I think about just the enormous burden on healthcare cost of this oh. country and how at the end of the day, it's like, even as recently as a, a month or two ago, they're talking about slashing Social Security once again, you know? And it's just like, well, what happens if these medical costs weren't as exorbitant as they were. Couldn't we then make sure and ensure that that financial blanket was there for tens of millions of people, right? right? So if we're able to drop that dollars, it seems to me like lifestyle medicine, as you're describing it, is a heck of a solution. Right, absolutely. And and part of our prescription is not only the educational piece, but it's, of course, the group medicine piece, right? So they're working with each other, but also providing plant-based meals. Mm -hmm. So we can show them in the first four to six weeks that these meals are tasting good. It gives us time to educate them. So they're getting healthy meals. We're getting rid of that physiologic dopamine craving addiction, right? That's the hardest part, man. Right? Absolutely. So you got the drugs helping, you've got the education, you're feeding them healthier food. Because I always believe that if you put someone on a whole food plant-based diet and along with the proper education, that was the the really crucial factor there is because they're getting all of it together. It wasn't just a matter of, you know, calorie restriction or just giving them education. You got to show them that the food tastes good and you're getting rid of that physiologic feeding. Yeah. Um, but the, the really um, important piece here is that we're providing food, allowing them to taste it and it tastes good and their taste buds change and they're like, wow, actually I have more energy and I didn't have to have surgery. And now I don't have to stay on this medication for the rest of my life. Now they may, you know, depending on the patient, 
Um, they may need three months or six months or nine months, depending on the weight loss. But, you know, like we've all said, we know people and I've had patients, you know, one in particular that comes to mind is Nikki, who's I've actually had on my uh, podcast as well, who lost 350 pounds just changing her diet. Nikki! Yeah. Go ahead, Nikki. Yeah. So she was 509 pounds when I first met her. And that was 2017, January 2017. Within three years, 350 pounds lighter. And um, incredible human. And so, but, you know, we, we all know these stories of 100 pound, 200 pound weight loss. And it's a wonderful way to uh, go outside of the, again, people who've drank the whole food plant-based diet juice and really utilize the drugs to our advantage. And I'm kind of, in a weird way, it's going to be weird for me to say this, thankful that they're so expensive because now employers are looking to force another message in education right. where they may not have otherwise if this was just another you know $50 drug per month or something. Definitely not 50 bucks a month. No. Definitely. <laughs> I think, you know, the average person really only stays on these things for like a little over a year somewhere in that ballpark because one, the cost, but two, the side effects on these things can be hellacious as well. Right. But if you have to, if you think about that though, so let's say they stay on it for a year, what's going to happen after the year? If we haven't done the educational piece and shown them that the environment can change, it's it's just a choice. Yes, is it hard? Of course it's hard. But again, if you work in your community, work in your, uh, where you're working to build an environment of healthier food choices. I mean, working in a hospital is the worst, right? There's <laughs> unhealthy food choices in every vending machine around every corner. Huh. But if you look at this in a year's time when someone comes off of it they're going to gain the weight back yeah. right they've also probably lost muscle mass because it's such a dramatic and rapid weight loss and so now we've got less muscle mass they're probably at a higher body fat percentage than they were the prior year before in incorporating the medications and so that is a concern too is um now we have someone who's lost weight gained it back and they're in a worse place than they were in the beginning can we just like rewind what you just said? You yeah. lose all that weight, less muscle mass, higher body fat percentage, even though you've lost a lot of weight. That right. is mind blowing to me. Well, people think, well, if I lose weight, it's just fat. It's not, right? Unless you're very careful and do a kind of a, a, a slower weight loss, right? Where you're doing a controlled, there will be muscle mass loss. Mm. And if we're having someone who's not being educated on the importance of weight resistance training, making sure they're consuming at least enough calories to preserve, and especially the protein piece on the muscle mass, we're going to have muscle wasting and so now we've lost this rapid weight loss we've got some muscle la muscle <laughs> muscle mass I loss and it's like a little difficult to say but now they go back to the way they they were eating before because they stopped the medications they can't handle the side effects and now they're going to gain the weight back but they have less muscle it's harder to gain muscle than it is to gain fat for we sure all are fully aware of that yeah man so we're at a worse state than we were before and um I don't know the exact percentages and stuff, but I do know that's a great concern. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's something to speak very seriously about with patients when you're prescribing these medications. Is like, let's look at the how quickly you're losing the weight, and you know, let's look at your body composition and what's occurring underneath the skin um, is is important thing to talk about. I just I love your approach. I want to wrap up with this. And that is, you know, as you're approaching these these corporations, I imagine, do you go in there with a cost analysis and say, yeah. well, look, you know, if, if you implement our program, 
Mm-hmm. Odds are you're going to be able to have this effect on your healthcare costs. Right, absolutely. So we look at the general healthcare cost of the GLP ones. We look at kind of almost like an end of one. You can take the patient. What was their cost last year, and what will be their cost afterwards? And there's there can be a value based care kind of system, right? So there's interventional costs that we would get paid up front, and then you have a value based care. Um, solution for long term to one to help the doctor stay in touch or coaching or whatever it is to help the patient maintain that mm-hmm. lifestyle so that, again mm-hmm. they don't you know walk into uh, let's say Christmas or the holidays or dealing with family or whatever it might be and change go back to their old habits because it's super easy to slip down like you said there's oh, a little yeah. bit of french fries a little hot dog here and there, it is a, a slippery slope dog. oh my gosh um, but then you know that at the end of the day say one year and two years out, if that patient has continued to have the maintained weight loss, reverse their diabetes, have a lower cholesterol, lower hypertension, you know, less medication costs, they're more attentive, they're attending work, they're less absenteeism, they're more productive, there should be some costs shared um, or cost savings shared amongst the whole team that helps provide that mm. opportunity. And so that's the other piece that we're looking into is creating a different model than the fee-for-service that we're, that's what we're stuck in our yeah. current medical system, which yeah. is killing us financially. For sure. Is it possible to say like 20% savings, 30% savings, anything like that? I would, you know, it really depends at the end of the day what we're dealing with in the severity of the person. So, but even if you're just looking at just the cost of the GLP ones, let's say we have an average cost of, let's say 750 or $800 a month. Let's say that the intervention cost, I don't know, a thousand dollars a month for three months or six months or whatever your intervention length is. You look at that over the cost of, you know, one year, two year, three year, it doesn't take very long to get all your money back. Plus you're getting all the benefits of improved health. It's not just weight loss, it's improved health. Their diabetes improves, their lipid panels improve, you know, their biometrics improve, the blood pressure decreases. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I, I did occupational medicine as well. So then you have less you know, work injuries because people are more attentive. They're getting better sleep, right? So now their relationships are improved. But by default, typically now their families are going to be better, right? Because I call it positive collateral damage. When someone who lives with you, who's eating better because of you, loses weight, reverses diabetes, decreases medications, hypertension, there's cost savings also outside of that that we don't even think about because that employer is probably paying for their family members' health care uh, as well. I love the way you put that positive collateral damage. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a happy that's a happy little phrase right there. <laughs> so um, I think there's probably people watching right now. Maybe they're business owners themselves. Maybe they're other physicians who just want to pick your brain. But yeah. particularly business owners who are interested in like I like what she's putting down. I want to scoop that up for my company. Yeah. How can people find you and get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they can contact me at Lori L A U R I E at drmarbus.com. That's D R M A R beesandboyas.com. Right on. What else do you have going on? I know you're a super busy person. Oh boy. Um, well, apparently I can't walk away from startups for whatever reason. I you got the entrepreneurial spirit. I do. Um, and, uh, it's a bit of addiction. Um, I enjoy working for myself and then, you know, taking in an idea and making it come to fruition. So I have partnered with um, a wonderful young woman and Brittany Giruti. Love she, Brit. She's lost 70 pounds on yep. a whole food plant-based diet about eight years ago. And what was amazing is she took 
to the kitchen, right? So healing began in her kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so as we were talking and as we were shutting down Mora because we were having difficulty with the individual patient versus the corporate piece, um, I was like, you know, really should work together because the two things I often hear are super helpful is people want to know about recipes and how to cook. And then they have a ton of medical questions. I was like, we should, you know, kind of work together. You've got the recipes because people love you. And it's called the Giroudi family. That's what her, um, typically her Instagram and YouTube channel is a fantastic following delicious recipes. And I could come in as a physician and answering the questions. And so we created what's called the healing kitchen. And so we meet live every Wednesday with our members and you can find more information again at drmarvish.com, click on healing kitchen. And we provide two recipes. We cook together for the first half hour and I'm answering questions the last half hour. And actually it's a lot of fun. We get a lot of fun and uh, crazy questions for sure. Um, but she's making, she's elevating my cooking game. And I feel like I'm a pretty good cook. <laughs> you know, I, I had to bring this diet home 11 years ago to, you know, three teenagers and my husband at the time. So I really pushed the boundaries. But now she's like, you know, like last night um, I was here. So I just got to observe. I didn't get to cook was like, she had eggplant, like um, roll-ups, looked like a lasagna and this amazing, beautiful peach salad. And I was like, wow. What? <laughs> Usually I'm buying and cooking and I'm like chowing down while she's cooking. Yeah, right. <laughs> but now I was like just salivating by myself in my hotel room watching Ooh. everyone else enjoy it. But um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I'm thinking you elevate that game a little bit more. It could be fun to see a cook-off. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Doc, right, right, no, right? No, no, no. I'll leave the cooking to uh, Brittany and I'll just uh, enjoy the... <laughs> The, like again, this is a positive collateral damage. Is me getting to eat healthier, right um, on, and do everything I right can. On. Yeah, oh, she's such a good cook. She's she is amazing. such a good cook. Just <laughs> so good. All right, oh, I can well, go look, on. Dr. Lauren Marbus, thank you so yeah. much for your time. This has yeah. been great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Once again, a huge debt of gratitude to Dr. Marbus for coming all the way to Washington, D.C. to tape this episode in person at ICNM. By the way, tickets are on sale already for this year's ICNM. That's going to be coming up in August. PCRM.org slash ICNM is the place to go to get your tickets today. And Dr. Marbus, since this interview, has already taken another huge step in her lifestyle medicine practice because she has come up with the healing kitchen and it is busy cooking up all things health. So here's the sizzle. The Healing Kitchen is an engaging and informative platform that offers a unique blend of culinary and medical insight. Indeed, it is led by Dr. Morris, but also our friend Brittany Giroudi. And this community-oriented space combines expert-led workshops, plant-based recipes for days that are delicious, and comprehensive medical Q&A sessions. It is the ideal choice for those seeking to deepen their understanding of nutrition's role in health and wellness, and also offers plans that include exclusive access to that big recipe library, plus eBooks, live lessons, all of that and you can join the Healing Kitchen to transform your own approach to food and health. Do that right now at drmarbus.com or just click the link in the episode notes. That's a cool name, the Healing Kitchen. I like that. I like that a lot. Definitely has a ring to it. 
And so that may very well be the future of medicine, but let's take a look at the future here on the exam room because we have a lot of great shows coming up. I hope to have the one and only Chef AJ on with us in the very near future. Also a first time guest, Shawnee Hayes, who's featured in Dr. Barnard's new book, The Power Foods Diet. She will be here to share her story of overcoming a junk food upbringing. We're talking about 18 million failed diets, 18 million diets that she tried and a Kansas City diet that was anything but a masterpiece. You see, Shawnee, she once weighed nearly 300 pounds. She was on a mountain of medicine every single day, but no more, no more, because she found the diet that changed her life. More specifically, she found a plant-based diet, and now she's planning for a long and healthy future, working with some of the biggest names, by the way, in TV and movies, and making them look like the stars that they are. It is an awesome story coming very soon here on the show. Plus, in the near future, our good buddy, Dr. Will Bolsowitz, he's going to be back along with more from Dr. Barnard and so many others. So if you have not yet already subscribed to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your shows, now is the time to do it. Links are in the episode notes, and if you could leave a five-star rating, that would help the show grow bigger and stronger so that we can touch even more lives around the world and show them the power of preventative medicine. We can show them a healthier way. We can show them truly what a healthy diet looks like, help them understand the ins and outs of what's on their plate. And that's key, isn't it? They say that knowledge is power, and with every episode, I truly believe that we are delivering that knowledge and putting the power and understanding right in the palm of your hands so that you can make the healthiest choices that you possibly can moving forward. And before we go today, I also would like to thank everyone who has reached out with so many kind words about my mother-in-law, Shelby. And I can't tell you how much my wife and I Julie, how much we appreciate that. The entire family. You guys have been so kind. You have a heart of gold. And that's why I'm so proud to do this show. Because we all care. Whether it's about the other person or for our health, we all care. Our hearts are in the right place. And so thank you guys so very much for your kind words in this difficult time for us. You guys are amazing. Just amazing. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Laurie Marbus for being here and raising our health IQs and showing how you, you doctors out there, can incorporate lifestyle medicine into your practice and how we as patients now have a greater understanding of some of the challenges that you might be facing. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. Plant-based.